Grab a seat. So happy to see you guys here today. I'm going to be opening with a scripture, actually kind of a combination of scriptures today from Isaiah 46 and Galatians 5. It'll be on the screen to help prime our hearts and minds for uh, our message today. It says this, remember the things I have done in the past. This is God speaking through the prophet Isaiah. Remember the things I have done in the past, for I alone am God. I am God and there is none like me. Only I can tell you the future before it even happens. Everything I plan will come to pass, for I do whatever I wish. And this is from Galatians. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery, for you have been called to live in freedom. My brothers and sisters, don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love. For the whole law can be summed up into this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. Good to see you guys. How are you feeling? Should I get the shark costume on? No? Yes? Okay. We'll see what happens later. Um, Welcome home, everyone. So glad you're here. Welcome, everyone joining us online, tuning in for the dedications, for the VBS recap. Just welcome everyone joining us that couldn't make it in person. It is peak summer here, and so we, we recognize that. People are out with family. They are celebrating vacation and trips and all over the place, but um, we're just so glad that you're joining us, whether you're today or later. Um, also, a special welcome to all the families that don't call this church home. We're, we hope that it feels like home for as long as you're here today. And, um, and uh, we're so grateful that you decided to join us for this special service. And I got you. And you have to stay until I'm done. And so you, be you better listen. Um, a special welcome back to Jack and Loopy. We love you guys. And it's been, you've, you've helped serve this church for so long. And this has been home for you for a long time. And we really hope while you're here today that this just continues to feel like home. Okay. Um, it is a birthday in the house. One of my dear friends, my friend and yours, Mr. Nathaniel. Nathaniel, we love you and your family. We love you, and I know you get the heart going right now. And I know you know Nathaniel because he serves our church almost every week. We gave him the, the week off for his birthday. But, um, but Nathaniel, we love you, and we believe this next year is going to be one of absolute opportunity and possibility. And we're so grateful for the way you inspire our faith. So that is it, and I'm done tearing up. <laughs> anyway, we love you. Um, okay, yeah, happy birthday. This is good, right? We're a family. This is good. Um, just one more reminder, this Wednesday is our spiritual gift discovery class. A couple weeks ago, we talked about spiritual gifts in that series, Let Me Explain. And so um, we believe, and this is going to kind of touch on the sermon a bit too, we believe that God is real and he is good and he fills us with his Holy Spirit and that spirit, like the scriptures say, gives us gifts. And sometimes, depending on uh, your background, depending on how long you've been in church or following Jesus, sometimes it can be kind of hard to identify what that is. And sometimes it can feel a little spooky or like supernatural or scary, like what is gonna happen if I acknowledge that God has given me a gift? And so on Wednesday, we're just gonna be having a real down-to-earth discussion to help us identify, not, not demystify, because, because God is still supernatural and beyond our imagination. 
but to help us understand um, with clarity some of the ways that God has gifted us to help advance his kingdom's cause. And so if that's you and you have questions about the, the spiritual gifts or if you have questions about any of it, we'd love for you to come here Wednesday. Um, Tyla, I actually have a slide up there. Can you throw it up there? Uh, it's like the second one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So right on the homepage of the website, the second tab over says spiritual gifts class. And so if you want to come, please let us know you're coming because we're going to have some food and some childcare available. Um, but make sure you hop on the website, madeforcommunity.com forward slash whatever, and then click uh, spiritual gifts class, and then you can register. Let us know you're going to be there. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be really great. Okay, so feeling good? All right, here we go. So we are in the middle of our summer series called uh, My Heart 4, where we're giving all of our teachers uh, an opportunity to share kind of the unique heart and passion that God has given them for his kingdom and for his mission. Week one, we heard from our former senior pastor, Bill Flanders, um, and as he talked about his heart for peacemaking, and it was amazing. If you missed it, go check it out on our YouTube channel, on the website, on the podcast. We'd love for you to be able to check that out. Um, week two in the series, we talked about my heart for truth, and this was last week, and how as followers of Jesus, it is our primary responsibility to live in response and in submission to the authority that is Jesus in all things, all the time. And so again, if you missed it, I just want to encourage you to go back and listen, because today we're moving on, we are moving on, um, and we're going to be covering what I would like to likely describe as my favorite biblical concept to talk about. And I mentioned this a couple weeks ago, even during our, our week on spiritual gifts. Um, and that's, I like to talk about the future. And so if you're taking notes today, I'd like to call this message my heart for the future. And much like last week, if you've been around here for any amount of time, today's message shouldn't come as a surprise as it's come from me, because I've actually preached on the future three times in the last three years. So what's the deal? Why do I have such a passion for what's coming next? Well, the reality is, I think I've always loved the future. From watching Star Trek, was anyone into Star Trek? Come on now, come on now. I, when I was young, there was actually a time where it was New Year's Day, and that day, uh, we, we sat in a friend's house and we watched all six, there was only six at the time, all six Star Wars movies on New Year's Day, and I was totally tapped. But, but listen, from watching Star Trek, to reading popular science, to dreaming about getting a hoverboard from Back to the Future 2. Does everyone remember? I know you're still waiting for it, Jeff. Pastor Jeff, I know. It would be amazing, right? It would be amazing. Or self-lacing shoes, that would be helpful. Anyway, I've always, uh, I've always really been interested uh, in the future, and the possibility, really, of what comes next has always captured my imagination, even since I was a kid. Like, I remember growing up, and this was pre-internet, y'all. Pre-internet, okay? And I was a product of the 90s, early 90s, which meant I grew up playing outside. I climbed trees, I made mistakes, and I blew up G.I. Joe guys with fireworks, okay? That was my summer schedule. Those, those Stranger Things kids got nothing on us in the early 90s, okay? But anyway, but anyway, growing up in the 90s, when I wanted to get together with friends, I had to walk into the kitchen because our phone was in the kitchen. 
And, and it was a, it's called a landline. And to get a hold of my friends, I had to pick up the phone and I had to dial physical numbers and then stay in the kitchen because the phone receiver was connected to the wall by this beige curly cord. Do you know what I'm talking about? And man, we used to be able to stretch that cord. Do you know what I'm talking about? We would drag it all the way across the kitchen. But this was the present reality I had as an 11-year-old. There weren't cell phones, there weren't smartphones. Um, it was just a landline. But then, but then, I remember hearing about cordless phones. Do you remember this? And again, they weren't smartphones, they weren't cell phones. It was even better. It was a landline without the cord. And you could walk and you could use it and talk wherever you wanted in the house. And this this thing, this reality changed my whole world. Mind blown, because, and because I loved it so much, I remember my folks, um, one year they got me one for Christmas, and I was finally free. I had a cordless phone in my room, and I was completely free in this freedom. It got me dreaming. <laughs> this freedom got me dreaming that if this was possible, if they could make a phone cordless, what else might come next? My freedom got me dreaming about what could be. And what did come next? Yeah, here we go. That's when I start hearing about mobile phones, cell phones. When I was 16, my folks got me one. And I think it was really more for them than for me because I had just gotten my driver's license and they wanted to make sure I wasn't going crazy past my curfew. Right, Mom and Dad? But regardless... From the landline to the cordless to the mobile, I felt my freedom continue to grow as I began to see this whole new world of opportunity that now lay before me with no strings attached. No strings attached. I wasn't only focusing on what was realistic for how far that cord could reach from the kitchen. And I was no longer focusing on what was reasonable or practical, like the range of that cordless in the yard but rather my eyes were hopeful and fixed on what was possible and attainable for tomorrow because I was free. And friends, this is really the heart God has given me and why I love, love, love talking about the future. I love the future more than anything because it, it hasn't happened yet. In the future, it's still possible. It's still attainable. There's still hope. There's freedom to dream about what could be tomorrow, today. This is the future, and I love it because it isn't here yet. And I know that for some of you, you might be thinking, Pastor, obviously it's not here yet. We're living in the present. You know, the future is later. Of course it hasn't happened yet. But friends, you'd be amazed how many people, and maybe this is you. I know it's been me. But you'd be amazed how many people forget that simple fact that today is not tomorrow and thus plan their tomorrow tethered to yesterday. You'd be amazed how many people think that what is today is all we'll ever have, so why believe for anything more or different or better? Seriously, I can't even tell you how many people I've sat across from that are trapped in this constant state of yesterday, of fatalism disguised as faith. People who theoretically, and I'm talking to Christians here, Christians who theoretically believe that change is possible, they theoretically believe and they know that the future is different than the past. 
which is different than the present, and they theoretically trust what we heard in Isaiah 46 in our opening scripture. For I alone am God, I am God, there is none like me. Only I can tell you the future before it happens. Everything I come, everything I plan will come to pass, for I do whatever I wish. They read this, right, and they acknowledge that God is God and he can do whatever he wants, that God is in control, that he reigns so far above all space and time, that he is in control of the heavens and the earth. They confess this to be true, but practically, day by day, they still live cemented into a world of realistic pragmatism. Where again, they might want something different. But stepping into that different, into that freedom from the chains of the past seems as probable as Star Trek and hoverboards. And maybe, maybe this perspective, this mindset of what, will, what is will always be, maybe you've spent time there. Again, I know I have, but I don't know, maybe you're still there even now just trying to survive another day without setting expectations that will eventually leave you disappointed. Maybe that's you with your friendships or your careers, your finances, your health, your habits, your relationships, your spouse, even your faith, your connection with God. And now you're here, VBS weekend, at church trying to make sense of it all, and there's this guy up on stage with beach balls and, and, and paper palm trees. <laughs> He's talking about how much he loves what could be tomorrow as you're trying to figure out how to get out of here today without anyone noticing. I get that. I do. The reality is we all get it. We all get it. The everyone in this room, everyone in all human history has been in seasons where our vision for the future has been determined by today instead of being determined by our faith. Just open up your Bibles, right? From Adam to Abraham to Moses and Noah, and, and Samson, and David, and Solomon, and the prophets, and all the way into the early church. All the way up to today, we've all been there. And we'll all be there again, this side of heaven. Still, even in the midst of our seasons of realism, God, like we heard in our scriptures, God is calling us to see things through a different lens. And he is commanding us to remember that tomorrow has not yet come. It is for freedom that he has set us free. Not to be burdened again by the chains of our past. Not to be burdened again by our former life, but instead to live free in the future that he has set aside for us. And really, if there's one thing I need you to remember today... And again, maybe this is your first time here. Maybe you're a regular. Maybe you're coming back after spending 30 years in this beautiful house of faith and legacy and obedience. But if there's one thing I need you to remember is that if you're a Christian, and if you've been set free from the curse of sin and death, and you are now filled with the Holy Spirit of God, if this is you, no matter what brought you here today, I need you to understand that what could be still can. Because he... Because Jesus is the only one that determines the future. Your past, your present are not prophecy when you've got the creator of the universe in your corner. So what could be still can because Jesus, the God of miracles, is the only one that determines the future and he calls your heart home. It is for freedom. 
It is for the future with God that you have been set free. The cord has been cut. It's time to dream again. And this is my heart for the future. This is my heart for the future. But, okay, all that said, what, what does this really mean? I mean, how can we, if we're kind of stuck in the past uh, or, or in pessimistic in the future, like how can we start to live free with eyes on the future? How can we start to live optimistically and believe for more with the power of his spirit as God leads us into his dream, his dream for what next? How can we have a heart for the future? Well, that's where I want to park with the rest of our time today um, as we dig into the word of God. So if you have your Bibles, follow me quickly to Matthew chapter 4. Matthew chapter 4. And if you're kind of new to the Bible, new to church, it's on the second half of your Bible. It's the first book of what's called the New Testament. New Testament. And listen, you don't have to look far in the Bible for stories of God breaking chains, okay? You don't have to look far to see God ushering his people into a new future of freedom and opportunity. It's cover to cover because it's just what God does because it's who God is. Again, Isaiah 43 puts it like this. It'll be on the screen. This is what God says, Isaiah speaking on behalf of God. The God who builds a road right through the ocean, the God who carves a path through pounding waves, the God who summons horses and chariots and armies, they lay down and can't get up. They're snuffed out like so many candles. This is what God says. Forget about what's happened. Don't keep going over old history. Be alert, be present. I'm about to do something new. It's bursting out, don't you see it? There it is, I'm making a road through the desert. Rivers in the badlands. Wild animals will say thank you, the coyotes and buzzards, because I provided water in the desert. Rivers through the sun-baked earth, drinking water for the people I chose, the people I made especially for myself, a people custom-made to praise me. If you're a Christian, then this is your God. Amen. He makes a way when there is no way. He's paving roads through the ocean and making a path through the pounding waves of your story. It's what he does to bring his people to freedom. It's what he does so what could be still can because he is the only one that determines the future. Now bringing it back around, that's exactly what we see here in Matthew chapter four, our primary text for today, a story that many of us know. And, you know, I love this story in particular because while there are perhaps more miraculous moments in the Bible, you know, where God, again, led his people to freedom through parting seas and splitting shores and raining fire from the clouds and, and food falling every day and blinding lights and scales falling from eyes, like, um, what we see here in Matthew 4 is a whole lot more like our everyday human experience. Because Jesus, in this moment, he's calling a couple guys and he's calling them out of disappointment out of obligation and into a new future of opportunity that went beyond all they could have asked or imagined. And, and the story, it picks up right at the beginning of Jesus' ministry on earth. He was about 30 years old. And while we don't have all the information about his life leading up to this moment, what we do know is he was understood to be a rabbi. And this means that he had done everything necessary, everything required of him, to be a respected Jewish teacher. And so here he is, fresh off his baptism, 
and temptation in the wilderness when he, when he gets to work. And he's going solo through the area, the, the region of Galilee, and telling everyone about this coming kingdom of God and calling them to repent and believe. He's going solo, but now in this passage, it's time for him to build a team, and it starts in verse 18. And this is the story that so many of us know. It goes like this. It says, One day Jesus was walking along the shore of the Sea of Galilee, and he saw two brothers, Simon, also called Peter, and Andrew, throwing a net into the water, for they fished for a living. Jesus called out to them, Come, follow me, and I will show you how to fish for people. And they left their nets at once and followed him. Verse 21. A little farther up the shore, he saw two other brothers, James and John, sitting in a boat with their father, Zebedee, repairing their nets. And he called them, he called to them, he called them to come to. They immediately followed him, leaving the boat and their father behind. Okay, quick show of hands. Who's heard the story before? Good. So what is significant about the story, and what does this have to do with the future? I'm so glad you asked. Let me, get, let me just give you a bit of context real quick um, for what was going down in this moment uh, with the progression of past into present into future. So Jesus, in the scene, he approaches a couple Jewish kids. Um, they were likely in their late teens that were out fishing, but not like fishing for fun or for relaxation. Quick show of hands, who likes to fish? Anyone? All right, I get that. Good, good, good. Thank you, Taylor. I see that hand. I received that hand. So they, they were out fishing, but not for fun. No, we see that this was their career. Scripture says that they fished for a living in their present. They had a boat, they had nets, and the second set of guys, uh, James and John, it says that they were with their dad, so it was likely that this would have been a family business for them. But as Jews, it wouldn't have been the dream they had when they were kids. Let's hit the past for a second. So, Jewish boys in the first century would have gone through a religious schooling up until about age 12. They would have been schooled in the Old Testament, which is called the Torah, and evaluated for which, uh, for who uh, would have had the best future as a rabbi or a Jewish leader. And this was the norm that they would have had growing up, and this was their dream. Uh, and so these guys, Simon called Peter, Andrew, James, John, they would have gone through schooling and longed to be picked for a future in the temple system to be a rabbi, but what happened instead? They went through the process and they came out as fishermen. Why? Well, they just weren't good enough. They just weren't good enough, so what did they do? They did what every other man in the first century did. They settled into what their father did. Now, let me just say, there's nothing wrong with legacy. There is nothing wrong with carrying on what your family started. It's a great way to live, right, Dad? If you know, he was a inside joke. He was a pastor. No, that's me. Get it? Yeah? Okay. So, ain't nothing wrong with legacy, friends. But in this instance, it would have been for them a backup. And being out in the boat would have been a constant reminder that they weren't good enough to be who they actually wanted to be. And this reality from the past, it went on to shape the way they lived in the present. But here comes Jesus. Here comes Jesus, and who was Jesus to them in this passage? He was a rabbi. He was a teacher, and he walks up and he says three words. He says, come, follow me. And these three words go on to shape their future. Come, 
follow me, and they do. They leave their boat, they leave their nets, and their father behind to step into a future they never believed possible. For these guys, what could have been, what could have been, now could, all because of three words. Come, follow me. And this is it. Again, hear me when I say the past and the present, your past and your present have no power when coming up against the God of the universe who's calling you into your future. What could be still can. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter where you've been. If you're with Jesus, he can make a way. It doesn't matter what you know or you don't, what you have or you have not. It doesn't matter your reputation or your education. Listen, if God sets you free, then you are free indeed. And your future is endlessly filled with possibility. Why? Because you belong to heaven now. And the power of God lives within you. So somebody tell me, just real quick. Is this kingdom reality we see in Matthew 4, is this kingdom reality that we occupy as Christians, is this supposed to inspire in us to settle for a life of pessimism? Is it supposed to inspire us uh, a life of realism or pragmatism? The answer is no. The reality is that if you're free, it's meant to give you eyes to see tomorrow like God does. If you're a Christian, then you are a born-again optimist. Listen, I, I don't even care if you saw the glass half empty before you got saved. If you came out of the grave, y'all, you better be overflowing with hope. You better be overflowing with optimism. Optimism about with the dreams of how God might move in your midst. Overflowing with creative solutions to the problems we face. Overflowing with peace that transcends understanding. Overflowing with joy as you consider the opportunities that now lie before you. Y'all, if you're a Christian, what could be still can. Because he, Jesus, who calls you friend, who called you out of the dark and into his marvelous light, it's he alone that decides the future. Now I gotta settle down. I gotta settle down and get back to the boys in the boat. So what happened next? Well, here's where the kingdom of God gets really interesting. Because... On the one hand, for these guys, their life from that moment on, as they stepped into this dream God had for them, it got real hard. I mean, for three years, right, they followed this kind of renegade rabbi called Jesus who eventually got arrested and executed on a Roman cross. They left the safety of their boat for a life of insecurity with Jesus, only to have their friend and master, who they believed to be God, die and then rise again, and then take off, leaving them behind to carry on the message. And they do carry on the message. Filled with the Spirit of God, these, these Hebrew school dropouts, like, they, they carried the good news of Jesus and, and what happened to them. Yeah, eventually it got them killed. All of them. How's that for a future? Pretty bleak. So on one hand, from the world's perspective, it's not a great move to leave the boat behind, but when you begin to see the world and the future the way God does, when you begin to use different metrics to evaluate success, 
everything changes. So well, so well, these these guys died poor and dishonored on earth from the lens of heaven and with the gift of hindsight. These four guys, on the other hand, they were heroes of the faith who went on to literally change the course of human history. Pastor, isn't that a bit of an exaggeration? Absolutely not. Because of their faith, the Church of Jesus was formed, which went on to transform the first century Middle East and eventually gave all of the West, including us, the opportunity to hear the good news via Paul making his way through Philippi. We are all here in this room because these four fishermen who had hearts for the future decided to take a risk and step out. And listen, this reality we now occupy it all came down to three words. And if you're a Christian, you've heard those words and you've responded. But it all came down to three words. Three words and this newly inspired belief that what could be tomorrow still can. Because it's Jesus, the one who says, come, the one who says, follow me, that decides the future. Everything changed. Everything changed. So, so what does that mean for us? as people that have grown up in the church maybe, or people that are still kind of on the fence of faith, people that are still trying to figure out what is, like what, what do I actually believe about this book? Like how, how can this, this encouragement actually begin to shape us from the inside out? How can we begin to live tomorrow? Uh, how can we begin to see tomorrow through the lens of heaven? How can we begin to have a common heart for the future where we actually believe that all things are possible? Not that all things are promised. I want to bring some clarity there. Just because we want something for the future doesn't mean it's promised to us. But it's possible for those who call upon the name of the Lord. So, how do we make that shift to have an optimistic heart for heaven? Well, got two quick things. It's just two. Normally you get like three or, or five if you're with Pastor Jeff. But like, <laughs> you get your money's worth with this guy right here. But like, Two things, and it's real simple. Because today really isn't meant to be this like detailed seminary expository talk on the future. It's just meant to be my heart. So how can we begin to have a heart for the future? Just two quick things. And if this is too simple, you haven't been in if this is if you've been in church your whole life and you're like, Pastor, give me more meat, just do this stuff, okay, and talk to me later. So if you want to have a heart for the future, two things. Get to Jesus. And follow Jesus. One more time. Say this with me real quick. Get to Jesus and follow Jesus. One more time for good measure. Get to Jesus and follow Jesus. Starting with get to Jesus. This is real quick. The only reason any of us can have any sort of hope for the future is Jesus. Without him, we're all chained to the past like an old landline with the curly cord, right? There is no freedom. There is no future without the gospel. There is no future without Jesus. But as Christians, we believe that Jesus is real. And we believe that he is, uh, he is real and he's good, and, and our confession is that he died to give us freedom, and he's calling us into this new life of opportunity with him. And so the first thing, if you want to dream bigger for tomorrow, if you want to have a heart for the future, the first thing is you just got to get to Jesus. You need to spend time in close proximity with Jesus because it's there that we actually begin to see what's possible. I mean, think about this for a second. Think about the fishermen. They responded to Jesus because he was a rabbi, but they believed in the future because of what they saw when they were with him. 
Anybody remember Jesus' first miracle? What was it? Water to wine. Do you think these guys, these fishermen, would have ever imagined that water could turn to wine? Absolutely not. But in the presence of Jesus, it did. And now their vision for what's possible has expanded. Do you think these guys could have ever imagined a blind man seeing again? Or a lame man walking again? Or a dead kid named Lazarus being raised to new life? No way! But the presence of Jesus, in the presence of Jesus, it happened, and their vision for the future changed because of it. And so if you want to see the future like God does, first step, you just gotta get to Jesus, because that's where the magic happens. Metaphorical magic, you know what I'm saying. Get to Jesus. How does that play out? How does that play out for us? Because for these guys, Jesus, right, he was literally walking on earth in the first century, and these guys saw that with their own eyes. So what does it mean for us to get to Jesus? Well, that's number two. We need to get to Jesus, then we need to follow Jesus together. If we want to have a heart for the future, we need to follow Jesus into what's next. So get into proximity with Jesus and not just passively watch him walk by, but call out to him and follow him into what's next. I think of uh, the story of Bartimaeus, the blind beggar on the side of the road, right? And all of the disciples, he's calling out to Jesus. He hears that Jesus is coming. This is right before Jesus was arrested, too. He hears that Jesus is, is coming, and, and, and he starts calling out. He says, Jesus, Master! And the, and the disciples were like, shut up, man. Don't bother Jesus right now. He's on a mission. And he just kept calling out. He was in proximity to Jesus. And he kept calling out to Jesus kept calling out to Jesus, and Jesus says, okay, come, what do you want? And he says, I want to see. Jesus heals his sight, and what happens next? He follows Jesus. He follows Jesus down the road. So get into proximity with Jesus, get to Jesus, and then follow Jesus. But again, how does this actually happen? Back to the disciples, you know, they heard the call, and they had a choice. An unbelievable future was available to them, but they still had to choose to follow him, just like Bartimaeus. And it's the exact same for us when we talk about following Jesus. It's the same, this, the same future that was available to these four guys, and the guy on the side of the road, and all throughout the scriptures. The same future of adventure and impact and significance and purpose, it awaits each and every one of you. And this future starts now, but you still need to want it. You still need to get off the curb and get to Jesus and follow him. You still have to leave your boat behind. You still have to want it and leave your nets and, and, and to follow him into what's next. You still need to be willing to lay everything down to receive, this is Ephesians chapter 3, to receive abundantly more than you could ask or imagine according to the power that has worked within you. You still need to lay it all down to receive the abundance. The abundantly more is available because it's promised to you by God. But you still need to, ex uh, for you to experience the best life can get, you got to lay down your settle for less. Are you tracking? You can't have a heart for the future, seeing tomorrow through the lens of heaven, and still believe your past is prophetic. You got to pick. So are you going to follow your own way, chasing your own dreams? dealing with your own insecurities and limitations, or are you going to cut the cord and follow Jesus and step into his dreams? 
so you can finally experience the freedom you were saved for because this is what it takes to have a heart for the future. It's you deciding. It's deciding to leave your past where it belongs so you can see your present like he does. Let me say that one more time. If you want to have a heart for the future, it's you deciding to leave your past where it belongs so you can begin to see your present like he does and believe, believe, really believe that what could be still can because Jesus is with you. So what do you say? As we wrap this up, what do you say? I know that we're all coming from different perspectives here. I know that we're all going through different things. Some things that might seem impossible, absolutely impossible. I know that we've all experienced life in ways that has left us disappointed and, and, and leaves us thinking like, there's just no way. But I just want to remind you for a second that we've all been through the valleys. And the greatest way to look to the future is to remember on the other side of where God has already brought you. So what do you say? Let us be a church that believes for more and chooses to see minutes and moments and seasons through the lens of heaven. Amen? Amen. Let us be a church that spends time with Jesus, not just thinking about Jesus abstractly, but getting into proximity with Jesus in prayer, in scripture, in worship, in community with one another. Let's be a church that spends time with Jesus and allows that presence to be a reality check for what could be tomorrow. Amen? One more. I need to hear you loud and proud here. And let us be a church with a heart for the future as we follow Jesus together, filled with the Spirit, into the great unknown of faith and obedience as we walk together that narrow road that always only leads to peace. Amen. Amen. And this is my heart for the future. So as we close today, um, Pastor Becca, she's going to come on up here and she's going to lead us in a closing song. Um, and I don't know, Taylor, do you got the shark costume or no? No? No, we'll leave it. We'll leave it in back. Okay. Ruined a moment there. Good for me. Um, but she's going to be leading us in a closing song. And as she does, I just need you to take a minute to consider, first of all, what are some of the things holding you back from seeing tomorrow like God does? What are some of the things in your life that are holding you back from seeing tomorrow like God does? Second question, what are some of the things you need to let go of so you can live in freedom that God saved you for? Last question, what are some of the things holding you back from really dreaming about what could be if God stepped in? Because God wants to lead you, physically and in vision. Jesus, even now, is saying those three simple words to each and every one of us. Come, follow me. And y'all, he is faithful. He is good. He loves us, and he believes in your future. He does. So what do you say? Let's all take a step in his direction today. Proverbs 16, as I close, says this. Commit to the Lord whatever you do, and he will establish your plans. For the Lord works out everything to its proper end. Let me say it one more time. Commit to the Lord whatever you do, 
and he will establish your plans. For the Lord works out everything to its proper end. This is the word of the Lord and the way of Jesus. Let us follow him. Jesus, we love you and we thank you. We ask that you would be with us even now as we're considering, as we're contemplating all the things in our lives that might hold us back from seeing tomorrow like you do. God, we want to believe for more. That's why we're here. We want to believe that the abundantly more than all we could ask or imagine is available to us through the power that you have placed within us as your Holy Spirit. And so, God, we, we want to believe that more than just lip service, God. We actually want to step out in faith today and, and consider that the future is bright and that, God, you have raised us to new life, not to maintain this status quo of, of realism, but to really believe in the miraculous if you stepped in, that what could be still can, because Jesus, you determine the future. And so, God, as we submit to you, as we get into your presence today, as we, as we get to you and we believe in more, God, we, we just submit to you and we say, lead us where you want. Spirit, lead us one step at a time. So God, in this moment, I ask really that you would just meet us, that you'd lay heavy on each and every one of us in whatever season we might be in and in whatever moment we're carrying right now. God, maybe some of the past is this amazing victory and it's holding us back from a future victory with you, God. Maybe some of the past is, is, is just traumatic heartbreak, God, and you are trying to cut the cord for us. You've already broken the chains and we keep putting them around us. God, speak to us today and remind us, Galatians chapter 5, that it is for freedom, it is for the future with you that you have set us free. Not to be held back again by the burdens of what was before. Because God, you are doing a new thing. So God, give us vision today. God, give us vision, give us focus, and give us courage to take that first step to follow you together. So Jesus, we love you, and we thank you, and it is in Jesus' name, and the church said, amen. Amen. Let's